Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the pod. Matthew, we're just going to get right into it. First off, welcome back. Second off, how does it feel to have Pete basketball finally in your life again? Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Can't wait for another heat season to happen. Hopefully, it'll turn out better than the last one. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm kind of worried, though, because we play the Bucks first. <laughs> so we alluded to it right now. This episode, we're focusing on our hometown here. I want to talk all things, what went wrong last season, the additions we made in the offseason, do a whole breakdown with what this roster is going to look like for this upcoming 2021-2022 season. We can start with last year. We already did a podcast ages ago talking about the bubble season and alluded to what went wrong last year with some basic notes. But let's go in depth here. What do you think was the big issue with last year's team and why we were so underwhelming relative to the rest of the NBA, honestly? Well... Looking back on it, I got a new perspective as the Bucks actually won the championship. So all of a sudden, getting swept didn't look as bad as it did in the moment. <laughs> because I was really thinking that we gotten swept to a team that would go on to lose in the second round. But hey, they made it all the way. Good for them. So what's wrong with this team is that mostly I feel like our playmaking in the playoffs was sort of lacking. I would say that a lot of people you expect to be good underperformed. Jimmy got toasted just could not score the whole series i think he averaged like 15 or 14 points per game like the same dude who was dropping the 40 point triple double in the finals the previous year all of a sudden couldn't score and so same thing happened with bam and just things just weren't working out we couldn't really point put points on the board against a great bucks team who granted has exceptional defensive ability but this year we really need to see a lot more playmaking hopefully we can get it from Jimmy and with the addition of Kyle Lowry and maybe even Tyler Hero. You never know. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to guess who is the leading scorer points per game wise out of any Heat player? Because I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Jimmy and it wasn't Bam. Well, in the series, it was Dragic. I'm yep. pretty sure. Yep. It was Dragic. <laughs> so here was your scores, best scores that we had. Uh, Dragic had 16 points. Uh, his with pretty decent efficiency. Bam was 16. Jimmy was 14 and a half. Kendrick Nunn was 10, Robinson was 10. So you alluded to, I think the big problem with this team was a lot of things. Number one is they were easily the most effective team by the bubble. With the injuries, with the fatigue, the, ha- the bubble hangover really did loom over this roster more than anything else. But even if they run it back, they were really banking on more importantly to, to add it all up that this team would recapture the bubble magic of 2020. That they would have the same formula of Jimmy would be awesome, Bam would take a leap, Tyler Hero would still be a good 20-point-per-game scorer, Drogic would be an all-NBA player, and it never happened. I mean, their guys were injured, Jimmy had COVID, Bam never took a, the leap that we thought he would. A lot of the guys that we thought did well last year were very very much regressed. The Jay Crowder signing ended up being, or the Jay Crowder loss to Phoenix ended up being a bigger signing, or a bigger loss than we thought it would be at the time, and it ended up being very bad. And more importantly, I think you can allude to this, this team kind of never had the any shot at being close to a contender this last year. Yeah, I guess, I mean, in the moment, I really thought we did, just because, like, I had faith that we put it all together at the end. But if you go through the whole season last year, you really saw that the Heat were just a mess. We would go on, like, win streaks and then equally long L streaks and just so many COVID problems, like, as a Heat fan, like, I'm a little biased. I feel like COVID affected us more than anyone else. It did. Like, just uh, you're not wrong. Season, it did. Yeah, I mean, early in the season, we lost Jimmy forever. And, like, 
I felt like we were playing with like seven people and they were like not our best lineup we could put forth at all. So honestly, the Heat, who faced the shortest break due to COVID and faced like just actual players getting COVID, might have been the most affected of, of any team last year. So I, I don't know if that's like a, a a correct statement, but as a Heat fan, like I really felt so, it last year. Well, I've got the numbers to back you up right now. So Jimmy, here in terms of I think best players to like not so good players on the roster last year. Jimmy Butler, out of 72 games, plays 52. He misses 20 games. Bam misses 8. Uh, Tyler Hero missed 20. Kendrick Nunn missed 18. Drogic missed 24. Or 22, pardon me. Oladipo, we trade for. He plays four games and then blows out his knee. He's out for the year. Uh, Kelly Olenek plays in half the games. But then again, you're not the biggest Kelly Olenek fan, so I think that was more of an addition than subtraction. Uh, Precious Achua missed uh, 10 games. Uh, Max Strus misses half the season. Uh, the only person who played every single game was Duncan Robinson. He was the only guy who played big minutes, and he was the only guy on the roster, period, who played every single game in the season. That, when he's the only guy playing every single minute and every single game of the season, that's a problem. And I think you said it correctly where the bubble really did affect this team. They had the second shortest offseason in NBA history besides, besides the Lakers by one day. Jimmy Butler just did so much in the playoffs that he was exhausted all of the regular season. And he still was an all-NBA player and a 21-7-7 for the season. Don't get me wrong. And then against this Bucks team in particular, I knew we weren't a good team when game one happened. Because the game one, everyone remembers the Chris Middleton game winner. We should have won that game. Miami made half their three-pointers, and Milwaukee missed almost all of their three-pointers, and we only lost by two. When the shooting numbers averaged out and Miami missed a couple and Milwaukee made normal levels, we were getting blown up by 20 a game. We were not a good team at all, and I think we kind of we can tie this into the offseason. Miami really knew that they had to make a move this offseason in particular to improve on last year. Yeah, I mean, you were mentioning the early round series. In the first game, who was it? I feel like the Heat fans were all screaming, do you think Jimmy and Bam are going to score that few points again? <laughs> yes, they are going to score yeah. that few points again. And the Bucks just turned it on. I think it, I don't remember if it was game two or three that they just put down a barrage of three pointers. It, it was game two where the, I was on a flight and they nuked us by like thirty points by like the second quarter. Oh, that was when Bryn Forbes went like seven of basketball. nine. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> oh my god, it was some of the most painful basketball I've ever seen. And the worst part is, after game one, you really did think we got a shot. Like I was texting my cousin after that game. He was like, oh, I think you guys actually have a shot. It's like think about it. Like you guys were so close away. It was just I think that's well, your series to win. Very false. Well, you know what you know what aged well was that uh, that conversation that got leaked by the Bucks, where they almost considered tanking their last game so they could not play Miami in round one because they wanted to kind of avoid Miami and play like an easier team like the Hawks or the Knicks or whatever. And they won, they purposely won the game and said we want Miami in round one, and that was a turning point for this Bucks team because they had the confidence to build their beat their rival that uh, that they were underdogs last year, the Miami Heat, and they kicked their ass. They got that revenge. Giannis looks so much more confident. Chris Middleton looked even more confident. I know he's the biggest like hit or miss guy in the top twenty five for players. That was we were looking at crucial reason why Milwaukee Milwaukee won this title. Like there was obviously the upset over the Nets, whatever. But Miami kind of flaming out here kind of paved the way for Milwaukee to build that momentum. Yeah, I definitely think the series would have gone a lot differently if the Heat had won the first game because I I think that would have startled the Bucks. They might have been like flustered after. 
they got destroyed in the previous year by yeah. the Heat, and then they just lose the first game well, at home again. And real quick, this is when Bam and Jimmy both shot horribly. Imagine if Bam had like thirty points instead of like ten. Like then they would play that game in their head, and it would be or it would be like oh history all over again type thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it changes the dynamic. Yeah, I mean the Heat did catch a bad break just because like it was so narrow down the stretch, and just all the the injuries and the missed games really came into play when they didn't get the fourth seed over the Hawks and the Knicks. Like that was tough. The Heat yeah. team, the Heat would have beaten the Knicks. I really feel that way. I don't know about the Hawks. They turned out to be a lot better than I expected. No, I think we would have lost to the Hawks and beat the Knicks. I think the Knicks were yeah. a, a very vulnerable team that as long as you got Julius Randle, the head was caught off that snake for sure. Like there was no way anyone was going to lose to New York. They were not good. So yeah. I agree with you there. So the Heat really ran into – the Heat were an unstable team last semester, and they ran into a fairly stable team, which is ultimately what caused them to be completely destroyed in the first round, I would say. So that leads us into this season where what they banked on was we're going to get the best guy in free agency in Kyle Lowry that's available. We're going to retool this roster and bank on the improvement of young guys once again. So I think that if you're a Miami Heat fan, if you're, I'm in if – in, if other people are in our shoes – we should feel pretty optimistic, but be uh, pretty optimistic about this Miami Heat roster going to the season. Yeah, you know, actually, I've been through my ups and downs with this roster on it. Like when we first signed the whole Kyle Lowry thing, and we signed Jimmy to a huge deal, and like sort of the same thing with Duncan, Duncan to a much lesser extent. I was like, man, this we're giving a lot of money to a team that I really don't think can win a championship. But in a league where there's Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie on one team, like who can win a championship? Then all of a sudden, when someone like Kyrie might not even play, you might have a shot at winning a championship. So ultimately, things are a lot more unpredictable than I might have anticipated. So who knows? This roster might be able to contend. I'll still put the Bucks and the Nets above them. I really hope I can change my opinion as the season goes on. But I think this roster is definitely an improvement from last year. Um, we are giving a lot of money to a lot of guys oh, yeah. when they're very old which might be a little concerning. So really, this is this might be like a two-year thing. Like, if this doesn't go right in the first two years, God help us for the next two. Because, like, we're going to be giving $45 million to, like, 34-year-old Jimmy Butler and, like, $30 million to 38-year-old Kyle Lowry. It's just, like, well, yeah. I can't, can't think about it. Well, to recap, so Duncan Robinson was 5 for 90. Jimmy Butler was the max four years, $181 million, like, all the way to he's, like, age 37. Uh, Kyle Lowry was three for ninety or three for eighty-seven or some is around that range. Bam's already on the max uh, because he signed it a year ago when we thought we were getting Giannis. That didn't that didn't happen, which sucks. So you alluded to it. There's this weird thing with this Miami team where it's like it's either this year and maybe next year, and that's kind of it because Jimmy Butler's going to be in his mid thirties. Lowry's already in his mid thirties and could fall off a cliff at any moment. And other than Bam, there really isn't another young young guy that's got top 15 potential in the league how dare you disrespect tyler here uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to hear on the same level as luca <laughs> and john moran he says so <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 get to a bubble bubble boy in a minute but um my question to you is that what is the ceiling of this team is the ceiling if like in a perfect universe championship contention or is it more like good playoff team second round exit maybe even like conference finals berth because I'd argue this team could win the title in the idealist of ideal worlds if like especially in the east if things broke out for them, but I don't think they're like legit legit contenders at all. I think they're more of like a tier two, tier three contender. Yeah, they're definitely tier two because you put the Bucks and the Nets in 
in tier one and they're just in a league on their own. But the thing is, is that there's a few things that need to go Miami's way. One is that Kyrie just doesn't play for the Nets this year because a team with KD, James Harden and Kyrie, that's done. The league's over and the championship is pretty much decided in my mind. Some people are saying the Lakers, but I still think that the Nets would take that one. Second off, they need to overcome the Bucks, who all of a sudden have what pe- some people say is the best player in the league. And I think Giannis got better as the playoffs went on last year. Yes, and absolutely. His, his presence is just undeniable on the floor right now. Like, he is obviously a top three player. I'll put him at two behind KD right now. So you're gonna have to go up, like you're gonna have to go up against the Bucks in a series. You're gonna have to face Drew Holiday again, who's great at guarding small guards. So that might be a problem for Kyle Lowry. Like, can you imagine Kyle Lowry getting the same treatment as Chris Paul last year? That would be so. That, that would be fun. That would be fun for a Bucks fan. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Middleton, like I think he had like one bad game in the finals. Like I expect that guy to have like three. Like at least half of them be bad. Like what happened? All of a sudden, he became like consistent, almost kind of. No, he, mean, he was consistent. And you alluded to it. Giannis took a jump in the playoffs. Like, he looked like the confidence. It was the confidence for me. Like, even where he was, like, standing in the court, he wanted the ball actively, found his spots that I don't think he really found before. And he saw the court with this new lens that kind of hindered the Bucks in 2019 and 2020, especially with that Raptors series where they go up 2-0, they're about to be Toronto at home and go up 3-0, and they blow that game, and they lose the rest of the series. Miami, team that we thought, hey, they'll be good, but they're not going to be title good, and they get nuked in five games. And low-key, the Bucks played better without Giannis than with Giannis at times. And that narrative got nuked this year, where Milwaukee just went crazy, and Giannis was putting up 50-point triple-doubles in the NBA Finals and is beating KD on his home court. It, it it was a total turnaround, and I know there's more of a, a heat pod than a bucks uh, than a bucks episode, but that still matters if you're in Miami because you need to go through and have certain things break your way that you you said. I I think the the way for Miami to win would be Brooklyn and 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 Milwaukee would either have to play each other again like last year, or and that's very unlikely by the way, very very unlikely, or one of Boston or Philly. Or Atlanta would have to beat the Nets or the the Bucks in a series, like early on. Like Miami would have to be the three seed, and we would have to beat one of Brooklyn or Milwaukee early, and the other team would have to beat that one. That that's a very low probability there, if that made sense. Yeah, what I'll say is that as an NBA team, your main goal when you're building your roster, I guess, is to like you want to be able to win a championship without may, maybe like drastic external circumstances happening. So like. The Heat can't win unless the Nets lose Kyrie or the Philadelphia 76ers don't make, like, a major move for Lillard, possibly. And just, like, the Heat need other teams to, like, become weaker in order to win. Like, the Heat can't really by themselves win this championship because let's say everything goes right for the Nets, the Heat can't win because the Nets are obviously the best team in the league. So the Heat both need improvement on their own end as well as some fortune to break their way regarding other teams. So we want to see more playmaking, but we also need some external things to happen in order for the Heat to win this title this year. Yeah, the external components are pretty huge, especially when you consider that the East is really weird this year. And weird in a good way, because last year it got affected by COVID with Boston and Miami. It got affected by overachieving teams like the Hawks and the Knicks. It got affected by injuries with the Pacers, with the Celtics, with our Heat. Philly at times, all these different circumstances. 
I feel like the East is pretty normal this year. It's a top two with Milwaukee and Brooklyn, some order. It's like Boston, Miami, Philly, Atlanta, some order. And then there's everyone else, like the Knicks, the Pacers, the Bulls, the rest of those teams. So Miami is basically, like, we know they're a top six team. When healthy, they could win 50 games, be a three seed around that range. But that's kind of their ceiling. Their ceiling is kind of three seed, make the conference semis, and then call it a day. And if you compare them to both Brooklyn and Milwaukee, they're easily the worst out of those three. And even if they make it to the finals by some miracle, they're not better than the Lakers, I don't think. They're not better than a lot of the Western Conference teams. So, I mean, they're suing for a title, if you put it that way, is very, very limited. Yeah. So if everything goes right for everyone, I think most people would say the Nets win. But as we saw last year... That doesn't happen often. Like, things go wrong all the time. So, like, the NBA is unpredictable. One injury breaks one way, and all of a sudden, the Bucks can beat the Nets. And the Bucks were down bad in that series against the Nets. So, the fact that they a few injuries happened to the Nets gave the chance of Bucks to come back. And so, that's the same type of thing that you would think the Heat need in order to win the title. So, the Heat needs certain things to break their way. Obviously, you never hope for injuries or anything like that. But they happen because it's just part of the sport. So a few of those things would probably have to happen for the Heat to win. Well, and you, the moment value you put for these games is right. I mean, look at Philly last year where all it took was two. It took that game five where they're up to one. Or was it game four or game five? They're up in the series and they're about to win. And they blow a 15-point lead with like three minutes to go. And just like that, the series turned around. And they lost it completely. I think it was game four where they're up 2-1. They completely lost that series right at their grass. Or... Miami even. Miami with that game one. We should have won that game. How do we not win that game? Derailed that whole Bucks series. And especially with the Bucks and Nets that you alluded to, how about with the Kyrie and Harden injuries? Like once those happened, even with KD going off for 50 points, I didn't think they were going to win. I thought Milwaukee had that in the bag. We can now focus more on Miami going forward here. What does Kyle Lowry bring to this team? Because he's the big signing for this offseason. He was the headline for the entire offseason for the NBA, and he was the prize that Dallas wanted, that Philly probably wanted, that a lot of these good Tier 2 contenders wanted. Miami snags him. What does he bring to the table that can really turn this Miami Heat roster around? Well, Kyle Lowry this year is bringing about negative $26 million to the table. <laughs> but I would say, like, from a basketball standpoint, I think that Kyle Lowry is a great defensive player. He's definitely an upgrade over Dragic, who wasn't necessarily the best defender. Um, he's definitely a prototypical point guard. He'll put more assists on the board than Dragic could. Um, hopefully he'll average more points. I mean, I say I say all this, but Kyle Lowry's super old. But the thing is, Dragic was also super old. So I think that is definitely an upgrade over Dragic. And he also has that good, nice chemistry with Jimmy because they know each other. And I think he's like the godfather to his son. So hopefully like that sort of chemistry can play out on the court and everything. So yeah, hopefully Kyle Lowry brings the sort of championship mentality he, he had when he got it like two years ago and I just think that definitely an upgrade we'll see how it plays out over the course of the year yeah upgrade for sure I think more importantly you alluded to it with the team chemistry component like Kyle Lowry is the perfect heat guy to be like your third person behind Jimmy and Bam especially when and I want to get into this because I know people have talked about it before Kyle Lowry is low-key like Jimmy Butler 2.0 like he's like the subpar version of Jimmy when it comes to the leadership style Always a hard worker, leads by example, toughest tough as nails on the court and off the court, outgoing, but also very like when it's time to play, like it's time to play. And he kind of could be like that second guy. There is a fear that like Jimmy Butler, 
that the, there wasn't a good voice in the locker room at some point during the year with Jimmy had COVID. They didn't have the leader during the regular season they needed. And now Kyle Lowry can low-key be like that other leader that they really needed last year. Yeah, you know, I think Kyle Lowry is a good veteran, especially he might mentor the younger guys, especially like Bubble Boy, Tyler Hero. <laughs> um, definitely, I feel like he needs a lot of mentoring, you know? He's the type of guy that needs to become a really good player in order for the Heat to become like tier one level championship. So definitely, I think you're right. Totally. Kyle Lowry is a great locker room presence. I like the analogy with uh, just a Jimmy. Just I think that Kyle Lowry is definitely a great person to add on this team. Obviously, the contract concerns are there, but we will hope they are relevant for the next few years. <laughs> well, and the next guy I want to get into, I think there's three key players Long story short, for this roster, Kyle Lowry is definitely the one of them. The next one's the big one. That's Bam Adebayo. He was really good last year. Don't get me wrong. There was obviously the thought, the talk: should he be All NBA thirteen? I don't think he should be. I think there was other qualified guys, but he was up there, top fifteen, twenty guy. You make that case. What does Bam need to do this year to kind of get Miami over the hump? Because I feel like for the longest time, at least with these past couple of years, he's kind of been the same guy: excellent dribble handoff player, versatile defender unselfish, can pick his spots, but the limitations are pretty pretty ghastly. I definitely think Bam's main thing is taking mid-ranges with confidence. So, like, in the Buck series, people were upset because they were sort of laying off him, and Bam wouldn't take it. But, like, later on in the series, they would give him the shots and he would take it, but then he would just, like, brick all the time. So it felt like someone, like, behind the scenes just telling him, like, oh, take the shots, Bam, take them. And he was like, okay, I will. But then he wasn't very confident, and he just wasn't able to hit them. So I think it's great that he was taking them as opposed to someone like Ben Simmons who won't take anything. So <laughs> I think that Bam um, just needs to take those with confidence. Hopefully he developed his game over the summer because if he can start hitting those, that's just another skill to add to his arsenal to honestly a pretty formidable player. We just need him to – develop his offensive skill set that way he can display it in the playoffs maybe against the Bucks again yeah it was very telling because the Bucks knew this very well they were like they learned from last year that you couldn't have Bam give Bam the ball and make him shoot is what they said they said let him create on Brooke Lopez let him dribble into traffic take all the 20 footers you want 18 footers we will give them to you clear the runway for those shots and you you said it best the confidence is what killed them the the inability to say like even if he missed 20 times it was he shut down you could tell visibly on the court that he was not himself it showed in the numbers it showed in the stats it showed in the play and in the in the eye test the other thing i need i think he needs to improve on and this is more courtesy of jimmy and kyle uh lowry doing this is that they need to give him the green light there was a couple plays that people saw in the preseason where bam tried to post up and he gave it back to kyle lowry and kyle lowry just chucked it back to bam and said no like go like even if he missed go score and that's, I think, what they, they want Bam to mold throughout this year. They want Bam to be their best scorer, be their best player outright. So when the playoffs time comes and he can he can re- be the second guy or the third guy on this team behind Lowry and behind Jimmy. I think that's kind of where Miami's going with the, on this pathway here throughout this regular season. Mm-hmm. Well, you hope that Kyle Lowry has the same effect to Bam that Chris Paul had to DeAndre Ayton. Now, what's concerning is that that all went away when DeAndre Ayton ran into a man named Giannis Antetokounmpo in the finals, <laughs> who will likely stand in the Heat's paths. Just by all chances, that looks like it might happen. So maybe Kyle Lowry can develop Bam. And I just think that, like you said, he needs a little more confidence. He needs to like express it on the floor. Um, 
as I said earlier, I think he should develop his mid-range game. And I, I have hopes for Bam. Um, a lot of people call into his question, his contract, based on the way he played in the playoffs. But I'm just hoping that he definitely develops more and just lives up to the money we're giving him right now. Well, another thing that's key with him, it's not even just like, I hate the basic argument, like, oh, he needs to learn how to shoot or whatever. But he does need to shoot because, remember, if we're doing the projected starting lineup and in a hypothetical scenario, it's like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy, Bam, Tucker, and Duncan Robinson – P.J. Tucker's not a good shooter, and Jimmy Butler's not a good shooter. So do you want a world out there where you have, if Bam isn't going to shoot, three non-shooters on the court at the same time? It's not going to happen. Because it happened last year. Last year, the Bucks said, Jimmy, Bam, pick and roll will sag off everything. Like, Bam will shoot the jumper. Jimmy will shoot the jumper. Because he's not going to make him. This isn't the bubble Jimmy. This is, like, normal Jimmy who cannot hit a jump shot on a normal basis. My, my question to you is that, do you think Bam will actually take these leaps, or does he end up more like a slightly better version of last year's edition of BAM. I would be really optimistic and says he and say he takes the leap. Just because, like, I have no other hope. Where, <laughs> where else does my hope lie other than he's going to be really good this year? Your, your hope lies... I think lies... Kyle Lowry will help a lot. Just because uh, I think he's more of a point guard than Dragic. Dragic looked to score more often, especially in the playoffs. He became, like, our leading scorer both last year and in the bubble, except when Jimmy started to go off. So... I definitely think that Kyle Lowry is a great addition to help um, Bam. But one other thing, can, can we count Duncan Robinson as two shooters? Can, can he be like, can he do like double duty? Does that count? I, I think, I, I mean, it showed it last year when he, they were able to, but I think that's not sustainable. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. And now that teams know about him and they're going to game plan around stopping Duncan, like that's a tough sell, especially in the playoffs. You alluded to it, though. There is one more hope for you, and that's, uh, that's our boy, Bubble Boy, uh, Tyler Hero. Horrible year last year, but he's looked great in the preseason. I think he's the X factor for this team. If he could be like the shooter and the sh- shot creator from the bubble season, Miami could really like turn it up a notch as a playoff contender. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero, a lot of people are like, oh, it's only the preseason. Like, what else do I want to see? Do I want to see him like suck in the preseason? Like, I'm very happy that he's doing really well and scoring a lot of points. Definitely, I feel like he's saying a lot of the right things. Saying that you're on par with, like, Luca and Ja, a bit excessive, bro. I'm going to pull <laughs> that one back. Uh, I I love the confidence. And definitely, he, he expressed that confidence throughout the bubble, and we just hope to see it during next year's play. I'm a bit worried because he's not the most physical player. He's a bit skinny, and just uh, he get he gets out-muscled a lot, especially by a Bucks team who's going to play amazing defense. So I definitely think that Tyler's going to need to become more of a scorer for this team. He's going to be coming off the bench in all likelihood, so we're just going to need him to be, lead that bench bench unit and just be our playmaker. Please, well, just do it. That's an underrated point right there that I'm glad you brought up is that he's coming off the bench. Last year, Miami said, we're going to put you in the starting lineup and make you play 35 minutes a game. That wasn't Tyler Hero's game. In a small sample size, maybe, but he can't carry that large of a load last year. It was impossible. This year, he'll be playing against secondary players and role players. He'll be with the ball in his hands off the bench as the first guy off the bench to score. Miami's basically saying, we're going to run it back like last year. We're going to give you the green light and a better opportunity and a better context to play in. And I think that could really help him in the long term, improving his confidence, building up those numbers again, and really making an impact for this team. Yeah, for real. What's annoys a lot of people is that we all saw it in the bubble. Like, he was an excellent player. Like, the iconic Tyler Hero moment is him dropping, like, 37 against the Celtics and Absolutely. just doing it all. Like, 
layups, three pointers, free throw line. He was just, he was just a, a show on that game. And I just, I wanted to see it again last season, but a lot of things didn't go the Heat's way last year, including a sophomore slump for Tyler. But we all hope that he'll get back to where he was in the bubble and hopefully just exceed. But honestly, if he gets back to where he was in the bubble, that might be a, that might be a big enough help that the Heat can make like a conference finals. But if we want to make the finals, we're going to need to see a, a big jump from Tyler Hero. Like we were mentioning earlier, the Heat need a lot of things to go their way, and this is just one of them. Well, so it is one of them. It's, it's a big one for sure. Uh, let's a- ask a couple questions about this Heat roster. I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, number one, what do you think is the projected starting lineup for this Heat team at the start of opening night? Uh, well, it's going to be Kyle Lowry, uh, Duncan, Jimmy, uh, PJ Tucker, a.k.a. Mr. Donut, because he puts up zero points in the playoffs, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably their starting five going forward. P.J. Tucker is the interesting addition with that team because I think it's a bit more of an overhyped signing than people want it to be. Like, taking him from the Bucks was excellent because he really did fit their system well, and just taking that away from that roster will help us and hurt them. But do we really think he's good? Like, what does he bring to the table to you that would make us think, like, he could be in the closing lineup? I'm I'm just I'm at a loss for words right now. I have no clue. <laughs> Cause, no, cause, I mean I mean he he brings a good defensive presence. I mean the thing with the Bucks is that they didn't need him to score because you have Giannis on every play. I and mean, if you don't have Giannis, you have Middleton who can be his own playmaker. So that's not the case with the Heat. We don't have Giannis, so we don't have someone who's going to charge the paint every single time and just create. So I am worried about PJ Tucker. Out of all the people I mentioned in the starting lineups, he's the most likely to not be there late yes. in the season, I would say. But the Heat needed a power forward, and so we just looked around the league and we're like, there's the power forward, and then we got P.J. Tucker. I mean, he has a lot of offensive concerns. I mentioned that he doesn't really score much at all, especially in the playoffs last year, and I just hope he brings a good defensive presence. People were, like, praising the job he did on KD, and I get it, it's KD, but, like, KD was dropping, like, 40 points a night. Like, I mean, I feel bad because it's Kevin Durant. Like, how good can No, but, do? like, but I, people time, were, like... You know, but people were like, oh, P.J. Tucker, all-world defender, excellent guy, switchable, whatever. And he, KD went toe-to-toe with him and got he cooked him. Like, the, P.J. Tucker could be washed, for all I care. Like, he wasn't good in, in the, at all in the playoffs, minus, like, a couple games. Like, you, you said it best. He, might, he is easily Miami's, like, if we need to get rid of one person, it's P.J. Tucker to add in Tyler Hero, to add in Max Strews, to add in God knows who else if they have, need a closing five. Uh, speaking of closing five, who are Miami's most five valuable players that we would want on the floor in a close playoff series? We're up 3-2. We need to win this game. Who's the good five? I mean, it's it's going to be the same. Just because, like, we need – the Heat were desperate for a power forward. Like, we, we had Kelly Olenek before, and I <laughs> was not a fan at all. And so we have replaced Kelly Olenek with P.J. Tucker. I think that's an improvement in my book. But even if you have a better player – like, let's say Tyler Hero evolves. If you decide to put Tyler Hero in, you're going to have Kyle, Tyler, Jimmy, Bam, and probably Duncan, and that is a short lineup. Like, that, that's that's not, bad, yeah. That's not good. So we're going to have to leave P.J. Tucker in, uh, and we're just going to have to pray that he is a contributor. Because honestly, like, who knows? He might get traded like by the deadline. Well, we'll see what happens with P.J. Tucker. There is one guy in the works I think could be good, and that's Max Struess. 
Max Strews low key could be like the wing we need, where he could shoot threes like PJ, like unlike PJ Tucker, and he's got the body size of being like six eight with some decent athleticism to just be there. Is Max Strews our 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 secret here to not sucking with PJ Tucker on the court, or am I just like in a fantasy land right now? I'm scared that we're having to go to Max Struess <laughs> our playoff final lineup. I did not watch much. <laughs> did not watch much Max Struess last year. Any Max I mean, Struess hot takes out here? <laughs> I don't have any. I'm at a loss for Max Struess. I mean, I I I just hope things go well with PJ Tucker. I don't really have much to say about so Max Struess. So you're on the PJ Tucker bus lineup for uh <laughs> for uh for for our season going forward. That's excellent. That um, guy, he's the man. Hey, can I get this answer from you? What's the update with Victor Oladipo? Like, seriously, I feel like he's gone off the grid. Like, is he playing or are we just, like, in limbo with the the Oladipo signing here? Because I haven't heard anything from him. I mean, last I heard, he was recovering well. But I felt like they said the same thing before he got injured last And they said the same thing five months ago when he was already injured, like, getting ready for this season. (laughs) I mean, it's tough because, like, Victor Oladipo is another X factor for this team. But like, if he comes back healthy, you know, well, another one of those classic if ifs, he comes yeah. back healthy to a guy who is very rarely healthy. Um, yeah, if he comes back healthy, this team is very good. And he provides a lot of the playmaking you need. You know, the 20, whatever, 19 version of Victor Oladipo. We'll see what the 2021 version of Victor Oladipo looks like. So, yeah, he, he gives a lot of what we wanted. Because last year we were missing the playmaking. Um, Kyle Lowry adds a bit of it, but he's still more so a point guard than a scorer. So Victor Oladipo might fill that gap. Um, like I said, last I heard, he was recovering well, and I really hope he gets back as soon as possible, and just I hope he gets healthy. Yeah, that's one of those, like, low-risk but very high-reward things because I don't think oh, Oladipo will be that guy. We haven't seen it in five years. It's just been way too long. But if it does happen, by some chance, he would be the perfect fit with this Heat roster, especially as a role player off the bench, yeah. like seventh guy. Uh, let's kind of do some comparisons across the league here. We know that Miami's probably a little bit worse than Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Do you think they're better than every other Eastern Conference team like Boston and Atlanta and Philly? Or do we think they're a, like there's a competition or an argument to be made that they're still worse than those teams as well? This is a tough one. Definitely better than the Knicks. I hate the Knicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Don't we all? I think we're better than the Hawks. I, the Hawks really impressed last year. Uh, they were like America's team. I was rooting for them. I was hoping they were doing well. I loved the Trey Young villain act. It was very entertaining. I know a lot of people hate Trey Young, but I was a big fan. Um, <laughs> I definitely think we might be better than them, purely because of the Kyle Lowry edition. Plus, hope, the hopeful stability of this year with not missing a ton of their games and not having a super short break will help us a lot. Because, like, think about it. Last year, the Knicks and the Hawks, they came straight out of nowhere. And maybe it was because they had the longest break of all time. Like, and the Heat had the shortest break of all time. So the Heat were caught, like, two games lacking behind the Hawks. And then they got to play the Bucks, who won the championship. That was a long sequence to follow, but I guess you get the picture. Um, yeah, no, I get you. So, yeah, I definitely think the question becomes Philly. And that has a lot to do with the Ben Simmons situation. If they get Dame which I think is a, is a very interesting scenario and what they should be targeting. The Heat are not as good as Philadelphia. But honestly, like, I don't know what Philly's going to deal if that happens. And honestly, that's a massive hypothetical. But if that were the case, the Heat will not be better than Philadelphia. Just because, like, 
Philly already has an MVP in Embiid. Like, he hasn't won one yet, but he played like an MVP last year, and he just missed a tad too many games to get the award. Then he showed out in the playoffs with just great performances. So I think that the Heat definitely don't have that same, like, five-star MVP caliber player that might put them on Philly's level. I'm just hoping that our just general chemistry overcomes them because you, you know Philly has such great chemistry. They they, <laughs> they really play for each well, other. Well, especially with their fans, uh, right? They have great, great great chemistry all around <laughs> in Philadelphia, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, it really depends on the Ben Simmons situation. But I would say that Miami has a shot. Right now, we're definitely behind the Nets and uh, and Milwaukee, but I would say that we have a good shot to be the third best team. So I've got this team right now winning about 47 games. So they're going to go 47 and 35, and I think they'll make the conference semifinals. What is your right now, Matthew Bryan, your final take on how many wins they'll have this regular season and what we think their max, I guess, potential is for this upcoming postseason? Dang, what did we win? What did we win in the bubble year? I'm trying to think of the percentages. The bubble year, we were like 48 uh, and something. I, I, I got to check that real yeah, quick. Yeah, it was a little weird because we played 72 games. I'll go with... Uh, I'll be realistic. Fine. <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with 48 so I can be more optimistic than you. We won, um, So we won 40 and... 48 and, we, to 50. We won 40 and 32 last year. And then the year before that, which was the year that we had the bubble year, was we went 44 and 29. Okay. So you're gonna go, you're gonna go forty actually, wins. I'll go with fifty. Let's go with 50. fifty. The big fifty for Matthew Bryant. Fifty bomb. We'll, we love it. Um, realistically, we'll make the conference semifinals and take a nice bow out to to probably Milwaukee. An entertaining season. <laughs> well, Matthew, uh, we're looking forward to Heat basketball. It starts up, I believe, on Wednesday. This episode will come out after our first opening game, but it'll be an excellent year, Matthew. Thank you for joining the pod. All right. Thank you for having me.